Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. <laughs> yes, there's a high energy one. It's a high energy one. Yeah, it's only 9 p.m. My neighbors can deal with it. I swear they're looking at me right now. My uh, <laughs> in my apartment complex, like, oh, this is so awkward. I don't know if they can hear me in my apartment complex. The windows are just very like you're like, looking I, right I, into right your, at them. Yeah, yeah, it's just that's fine though. I'm sure they they don't mind too much. Um, Lucas, we we are back with another Zeitgeist episode. Um, and I was thinking about what to call these, and I don't really mind what we call them anymore. I just know I love the word Zeitgeist. I do it too. It sounds so zesty, you know, like like when I hear Zeitgeist, I think of biting into a really juicy orange or like having some really good orange juice. It's just like, ooh, a little bit tang. Oh, really? Right. I, I see I see yeah. Zeitgeist is spice like that you put it on a steak or something like that. On a steak? Yeah. Throw what some kind of Zeitgeist spices you put on your steaks? Well, you know, just like it just feels like, like spice. I guess you don't really put spices on a steak. I mean, if I'm making some chimichurri sauce, yeah, there's some z- there's some zeitgeist uh, on some your, zeit- your chimichurri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I put chimichurri on steak. That's really good. That actually yeah. is very, very good. Good. Yeah, give but, me some uh, good all ideas. All right. Yeah. Um. Oh God, I really want to make it. Mm. I, I just got into that actually making chimichurri to put on my steak. I've been making it homemade lately. Whenever I make a steak to put on top, because so normally easy. what I would do, it's so easy. Normally what I would do is I, I I sear it in a pan still, but before what I would do is I throw in a shit ton of butter and like you know, thyme, um, garlic, all that stuff, which is great. But instead now I only, I just do the searing method in my cast iron and then I just put on the chimichurri and honestly, I like it better. And I figure it's probably, a, I mean, it's still like a ribeye steak, so it's full of fat, but like yeah. a little less bad for you without like all that butter just being basting in it. So it's True. been a, a fun, fun experiment. Um, Lucas, I, I, I saw Doctor Strange and it was really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, um, I've been I've been hearing a lot of mixed things about it. I think for the most part, they've been leaning towards bad. But yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it. It was just, I don't know. I, I think part of it too is because I just came off watching, um, what was that movie? Uh, recently, I came off watching Everything Everywhere, everything, all, at once. everything Everywhere all at Once, and which is another really good multiverse movie. And I don't know. It was disappointing because this was directed by Sam Raimi. And, you know, I think Marvel's been on a steady decline since Endgame. Uh, a lot of their recent stuff hasn't been that good, in my opinion. Um, I think I agree with you there. I, I, I did like I did like um, Moon Knight. But that's about the only thing in the past year and a half from them I've really enjoyed. Uh, and, yeah, it just... The writing was maybe it was just uh, one bad case, but the writing was really, really bad. I thought um, it was just kind of like turning into a, a cheap little jump scare thing um, almost like it, it was Sam Raimi. So I'm like, OK, there's going to be some fun kind of horror elements to it that make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't like anything like that. There's just a couple of jump scares here and there. Uh, slight spoiler, Terry's like the multiverse wasn't even really like. They didn't really even spend time in any of the multiverses. There's like one scene where there's a montage of them going through several at once. And then they land in just like one other multiverse. And that's really spent pretty much their whole time. Um, mm. Which was just very disappointing all around. Are you saying and everything everywhere all at once had more multiverses in it than Doctor oh, Strange? Oh, for sure. Wow. Yeah. And it at least explored those worlds a bit more, you know. But yeah, everything everywhere all at once. Great. 
Doctor Strange disappointing. Um, I have started watching Stranger Things season four, though. That's pretty good so far. Uh, I'm currently rewatching Mob Psycho 100, uh, my all-time favorite anime. And Great show. definitely looking forward to hopefully in the next month or so, going to try and put out a video on that on our YouTube. So go subscribe there if you haven't already. You can find the link to that in the link tree and any of our social medias at TFU podcast. It's at TFU podcast with an S at the end. Find our discord there as well. Can we help Lucas and I? Um, so that's what I've been watching. And then I, I do want to mention as well, I'm kind of blown away that Sony just announced they're doing TV shows of horizon. Yeah. God of war and Gran Turismo because well, I've known for a while and everyone's known for a while. There's a, there's been a last of us show in the works. Right. Um, and I, I do think that The Last of Us, I haven't played the second one, but just the first one I have played. Out of a, a lot of the video games I've played, I, I definitely think that one has a lot of potential to be a very good, you know, translate very well to television. Also, just because, I mean, it's kind of a tried and true medium, like post-apocalyptic zombies, you know? True. Um, I mean, that's tried and true. That <laughs> it's like so many shows, well. basically. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I'm very skeptical of Horizon Zero Dawn. I feel like it's just going to be a CGI fest with robotic dinosaurs. Um, I'm, uh, we're playing God of War for the podcast right now, and I'll hold my tongue on it. But, I mean, I'm very skeptical of it so far. There are and a lot of, like, Viking-esque shows already, or basically, like, It's fantasy. big. There's The Northmen. There's literally a show called, I think, Viking on HBO with Jason, um, uh, the big guy. You know what I'm talking Momoa. about? Just Momoa. There's um, the Northmen just came out. There's one my parents Valheim. watched. The, one <laughs> my parents watch as well. Um, that's uh, slipping my mind, but I think it's it's a Netflix like original series that's about Vikings. Yeah, um, Vinland Saga, the anime that came out relatively recently. <laughs> there's a lot of Viking um, stuff. I mean, and just like Thor in general as like a franchise uh, and what they've done with like Thor and I don't know. It just it feels like uh, it's just going to be another take on like you know. Say, yeah, not saying that, a bunch not of that words. Kratos is like a Viking per se, but it's just it's more so the kind of the Norse mythology. Yeah, that's what I, I guess that's what I mean yeah. specifically. But like, you know, it's just going to be another like mention like a, it, it, it kind of turns into like a buzzwordy kind of thing where like we keep kind of entering this Asgardian like kind of Norse mythology world and just keep hearing the same repetitions of like this family line or like this monster. And like, I don't know. It, I will gets, say it feels though, a little tired. Kratos is supposed to be, I think that's like a Greek thing. He's Greek. But I mean, literally Thor was already in the game from what I've played so far. So, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Thor is Norse. I wonder like, if yeah. they do the God, if, if they do a God of War show, if they do it more leaning into, cause the original God of War games on uh PlayStation two, cause I know you didn't play those, but I played a little bit of those back in the day. Those are set in ancient Greece and it's like all okay. Greek mythology and stuff like that. And then in God of War, the one for that we're playing for the podcast, he kind of switches worlds and then he's in like, mm -hmm. you know, um, Asgard, different realms, Norse, different yeah, realm and stuff Asgard, like that. Asgard, Misgard type thing. Yeah. And they, you know, they reference, they all, obviously it's like a plot point Alheim. in the game and everything, but I wonder yeah. what direction the show would take. Um, obviously you can kind of go either way, but the Viking thing's a little played out. I, I feel like, <laughs> um, but what, let me, what isn't played out? Uh, maybe I, I, honestly, right now, I, ironically enough, is probably the Greek side of God of War would probably be a little bit more refreshing than the Norse the stuff. North uh, the yeah. Norse side of God of War. Um, it probably will be more Greek. I think it's just recency biased, to be honest. But I don't know. I'm. I guess I'm just skeptical. I'm honestly. I'm. I'm skeptical of all these shows, especially the Gran Turismo <laughs> show. 
Uh, I'm not yeah. familiar with the Gran Turismo lore. I didn't know there was any Gran Turismo lore. So very just, yeah, skeptical of it all. But hey, I, I think maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. I think as gamers, we're skeptical of any adaptions of video games into movies or television. I think we've gotten burned a lot <laughs> like just in the past with like, you know, all, all the way back to the original Super Mario Bros. movie that came out that was live action. Matt, we should actually have a movie night and watch that movie. It's pretty. Uh, Which one? It's pretty bad. Just uh, the Super Mario Brothers. Oh, movie yeah, I've seen from way back. That, yeah. uh, and there's also the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which was also a live action uh, Mario show. <laughs> and it was really yeah. bad. So, yeah, I think historically just video games haven't done a very great job adapting. They've gotten better over the years. Obviously, there's like a Witcher show that's not bad. Right. And like people like it. I think it's gotten a second season, maybe a third. Um, so so they're, they've done a good job. But I, for so many years, it was just like not great. Uh, but yeah, yeah uh, I think historically it's history is not on the side of Sony. Uh, that being said, yeah, I hope these I hope these shows succeed. Although the, the God of War thing, I really hope they don't lean into the Norse thing. Getting kind of annoyed with that. I don't think they will. I mean, it is a Greek thing. I think we might be making some assumptions there just based off of seeing the Thor. But I um, will remain tentatively optimistic for it. Great. Um, but still worried. <laughs> so, uh, I got some release watch stuff, you know, actually my release watch stuff is not super, uh, oriented towards like movies or TV shows I've been watching. Honestly, I haven't been watching all that much. Um, I've been giving Veep a rewatch for those of you that have ever seen it. It's HBO, like political comedy, uh, with Julie Louis-Dreyfus and it's really, really good. Won tons of Emmys when it had its seven year run. Uh, super underrated show. I just feel like a lot of, not a lot of people really watched it, but it's um, really, really funny. So people could uh, could check it out. Um, last week, I learned how to make Belgian fries homemade. That was Can really cool. Can you break cool. that down for me? What is a Belgian so, fry? So a Belgian fry is like a thick cut fry uh, that is fried twice. That's kind of its appeal. So you fry it once at 300 degrees in oil and it softens up your potato. Um, to the point where it's like not really fried. It's more just softened up by like the heat in the oil. You take it out, get it back to room temperature, and then heat your oil back up to 375, right? So it's way, way hotter. And then you put your fries back in and then they crisp up after that. So they're soft on the inside and crunchy on the outside. Um, gotcha. Salt them up so a double little fried. bit. They're yeah. double fried. Yeah. And um, they were amazing. Uh, I just like wanted to try them out. I wanted to try and make them for a long time. Uh, I sent a picture to Matt. I think they look pretty good. So look pretty dank. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be making them for Katie this week. Uh, hopefully uh, tomorrow, actually. So a little test nice. run with myself and I'm excited to bring it to the world. Uh, what else happened? I hit plat three this season in Magic the Gathering Arena. So for those of you that don't know, Magic the Gathering Arena actually has a monthly season. Uh, so every month is a new season and it resets. <laughs> so um, you know, usually I'm starting out at like low silver and then I just kind of work my way up the ladder and like complete the challenges. Uh, plat three is the highest I've gotten. Uh, one day I want to actually get to plat one. Maybe I get to plat two next, next month, next season, whatever it is. But, uh, how much, uh, how much game time is that to get that far? Um, honestly, not that much. If you know what you're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think to get to plat three. I didn't even play that much this month, to be honest. I didn't really have to grind that hard. I think I played probably 10 hours, 10 to 10 to 15. Um, I, what sucks, Magic the Gathering Arena, I have so many issues with this with this platform. It, like you can't look at your match history. 
You can't look at That's like you can't look at your in-game match history. You can't look at your record. You can't look at like the decks that you've been playing. You can't you can't pull your own stats in the platform. There are third party like websites where you have to kind of pull that from. And it's yeah. just so, so like lame. It's like so behind in terms of like, you know, uh, clients, video game clients have all that stuff built in and they match the gathering and it just doesn't have any of that. But it's the only way I can play magic online competitively. And um, that's that's the way I'm doing it. But yeah, uh, that was pretty fun. Uh, I dyed my hair last weekend. So I know for those of you K-pop listening, star now. yeah, I went like a little, little bit of a, like a red or like a light. How would you describe it, Matt? Like a chestnut? It's like a cherry brown. Like a cherry. There you go. Like a cherry brown. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, looks yeah. Good. Thank you. Uh, you have to throw, throw a pick, pick in the discord for the fans. We'll, we'll, we'll throw the, we'll throw the pick. The, I, I soft launched it on my Instagram story. So I'll have to throw it on the, uh, the discord <laughs> after this, uh, after this episode drops, but yeah, dyed the hair, uh, feeling pretty cool about it. And, um, I'm premiering this new hair in uh, Vegas coming up in about oh. two weeks, uh, going on a family vacation trip over to Vegas, which I'm super excited for. Um, staying at New York, New York, you know, for those of you that have been listening to the pod for a little while, used, I used to live in Las Vegas for a couple of years, uh, 2018 and 19, and a little bit of 2020 before the pandemic hit. And uh, I'm excited to go back. It's been a while since I've been back there. And uh Kate, I've never first time going to Vegas with Katie, so I'll be showing her my town. You know, she'll be pretty impressed with uh, a. <laughs> you show her Summerlin. <laughs> yeah, I'll show her Summerlin, <laughs> where you live, <laughs> just you know, west of Las Vegas. For those that don't gentrified know, ass Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it's not even gentrified. It's it's like beyond. It's just like you know, the nicer, the nicest part of Las Vegas, kind of to live in, is like the western side of the valley, and it's just like. Nothing in Summerlin, where I used to live, was like older than 20 years old. It's like an extremely new neighborhood area. It's like everything's built. And, um, you know, not here to talk bad about Vegas, but, you know, just because something is new does not mean it's like necessarily all that great to live in. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, used to live there and I'm excited to just go back and have some fun. It'll be it'll be really cool. Hell yeah. Love it. Uh, well, moving into topics for the day. I'll start. So go for it. Lucas, I, I trust you're familiar with the Nintendo franchise Pocket Monsters, also known as Pokemon. Uh, yeah, I've heard of Pokemon. Now, what if I told you? No, let me, let me ask you this. You, you like playing games with guns, right? Like Valorant, whatever. Uh, here and there. Oh, the, yeah, Valorant. Uh, I Call can't of remember. Duty, whatever I, it may I, be. I just can't remember any other games with guns in them. But yeah, like I know, you there's know. not many. Yeah, yeah. What if I told you? Put those two together. <laughs> it's just like the funniest pitch ever. Pokemon and guns, mixed with some survival elements in the vein of like a Valheim or the Forest type survival game. And what do you get, Lucas? You get Pal World. Pal World, developed by Pocket Pair Studios, um, a Japanese game developer from what I could tell, um, have also developed a game known as Craftopia, another successful survival action game. And they are coming out of the gate swinging for their second big release with a game called Pal World, which for all intents and purposes, from what I can tell, is a video game that is where you play a survival open world multiplayer action game where you can befriend I won't they're not Pokemon because this is a Pokemon they're not we'll Pokemon uh, <laughs> they look you can you can you can befriend uh, monsters that 
look very reminiscent of Pokemon. You capture them and deploy them with not Pokeballs, just balls, because that's what we'll have to call them for now. Pal balls, I guess. Um, and you run around fighting, I guess, other players, um, wild pal monsters. Um, and you run around fighting them with guns. And I, I came across this trailer. It was only like a minute long trailer. And you know, the first half seems innocent enough where, I mean, as innocent as Pokemon with guns can be essentially, right? Like it looked like a very kind of fun, um, I guess, lighthearted game. And then the latter half of the trailer gets very dark very quickly where it shows these, I'm going to call them Palamon. That's what I'm dumbing them. Okay, good. It shows, good the, shows the Palamon working on a conveyor belt, just like pumping out guns, being like abused on a factory line by, you know, <laughs> like an overwork, like an overlord. God. It shows some of them being like experimented on. And then in another trailer I saw, it actually sh- shows another po- uh, Palamon, uh, like a larger dinosaur looking one, eating like a cute little penguin one. Which I actually thought was kind of fascinating because, you know, I mean, I, I was I thought it was kind of cool to see the actual like pecking order established, I guess. And it wasn't like right. a gory. It was just like a very kind of comically like gulped it up. Um, but it's just like, man, uh, this is like a legit Pokemon ripoff, but it looks lit. And I'm it's honestly between this and Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, I don't know if Hogwarts Legacy is coming out in 2022, but it, I this think game's it is. supposed to be. Is it? Yeah. Um, the, those are probably the games I'm looking forward to the most for 2022, I think, is Pal World, this. Oh, and the next Oxenfree, of course. But yeah. I'm just so blown away. And I mean, it's so clearly a Nintendo, a Pokemon ripoff, but, you know, it's not like Nintendo has a license over like a style of a character, right? They don't have. Um, the IP over creating small little monsters that you make companions with, right? I mean, look yeah. at Digimon. So it's interesting to see, you know, another developer really just take this idea and run with it um, and kind of, you know, make it more of a mainstream title. I think it has the chance to be, especially just with kind of the subject matter. I think it's going to catch on very quickly. I, this seems exactly like the kind of game that, you know, every Twitch stream will be playing for a couple months. Um, so I'm very interested to see how it goes. And I just love it more too, because I mean, literally uh, last January, Nintendo shut down a fan made Pokemon FPS game. So just seeing that this is out there now and like just knowing that this exists in the world, is just very humorous to me yeah. in a lot of ways. Cause it's kind of like a fuck you Nintendo. Like we're going to, we're going to make what we want. Cause I mean, like I can't emphasize enough how much these just look like Pokemon. <laughs> If if you took the the Palmon from this game and you put them on a chart and you said, "Oh, Matt, this is the next um, the next generation of Pokemon in the next region, the next game they're making," I would have believed you without thinking about it twice. That's how much like Pokemon they look like. They look like, yeah. So very very interested to to see where it goes, Lucas. I wanted to get your your thoughts as well. Is this something you're gonna play? You think? Or? Yeah, definitely. I no, I definitely want to check it out. If not, because it seems like it it's kind of drawn. It's on that line between like gimmicky joke game and like serious, real, like amazing, like you know, open world crafty game, right? Because like, well, yeah, and it's interesting too because the the other game this this uh, company has made, this developer has made, Craftopia, it actually was relatively well received, like pretty positive reception. So it's not like they're just kind of 
you know, they, they, they have, they've proven their metal a bit. Yeah. And like, you know, you look at the trailer, I'm looking at the gameplay moments uh, on, on this YouTube video that you sent over. This is actually a Polygon article that we're uh, basing all of this off of. And I mean, the gameplay looks good. Like the gunplay looks good. There's dodging. You can fly. You can ride your Pokemon, your Palamon. Like you can ride your little monsters like a horse. Um, you can fly like on the bird. And it actually feels like, you know, we just got an open world Pokemon game uh, that, you know, has been generally well received. I, I don't think it blew anybody's minds, but I think people really enjoyed the game and they're, they're probably going to end up making more. And this is sort of like even scratching the itch further where it's like um obviously it's got like the just straight up gun i mean it's not even like playful guns it's not even like a laser gun or a cute beam it's like a literal shotgun that you're using so it's kind of in a weird zone as far as tone but it's like hey you're still riding the pokemon you're still flying on the pokemon or the monsters you're still capturing mm -hmm. them it's still kind of in the essence of like an open world like arceus you know but it's kind of like going the extra mile in terms of combat where like you're fighting, you're shooting. I think the gun, the idea that it's like a literal shotgun is kind of just like, uh, I don't know if it's like, it's that's the part of uh, that is like really making me question it. Cause I'm like, okay, is this supposed to be funny? Is this like commentary or is it just like, could they not make it like a laser gun or like something cuter? It's just, it needs to uh, be it's a literal bullets. Yeah. 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 It's uh, that's like, the only thing that's throwing me off in terms of like the level of tone that it's at, but I still really want to play the game. And I think like this is our this is already like a very interesting sort of unfolding story where like, you know, Nintendo can step in at any moment and like try and sue, try and shut them down. Um, you know, Nintendo is very famous for shutting people down that make anything that looks like their game or, you know, takes their property and does anything liberty it takes liberty with any of their IPs. Uh, so I. <laughs> I think one of the best ways to sum up probably my, my feeling and probably a lot of people's feelings about this game is um, a user on YouTube on the video that is in the Polygon article left a comment. Um, the user by the name of ArcV01 left a comment just saying, seeing all these legally distinct creatures assemble guns on a factory line just really hits different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... That's my take. I guess that's my take on it is like, I'm not sure how to react tone like to the tone that it's in, but I it's do confusing think it looks because it's like, yeah, it's, it almost looks like a Fortnite level, like a violence type of thing, you know, where it's like very uh, cartoony in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. But like even Fortnite's gun violence is, is cartoony. Like the guns themselves, I guess are, I know they're real guns basically, but like, I don't know. This is like, these guns and that like the, the the way this i guess like for those of you not watching the trailer um i highly recommend you watch the trailer we'll probably throw it in our discord it just feels different than fortnite for whatever reason i can't quite put my finger on it um the gun play in this feels different than like a fortnite even though it's kind of matching that same graphical level and that same art style it just feels a little bit more violent and especially yeah. with like the factory like the messed up kind of exploitation of these character these like pokemon type monsters in this world makes it also way darker than a fortnite while staying with the same graphic style as a fortnite so i'm in a weird zone here but uh that that makes me intellectually interested uh, and emotionally confused so i definitely want to play it that's what that means yeah very curious to see what's cracking um comes out sometime in 2022 it looks like it'll be on steam um I don't, doesn't look like it's coming on any other uh, platforms right now, but we'll see. 
Uh, also, wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being a 2023 game. You know, obviously things are very often getting pushed these days, but I, I'm hopeful we see it sooner than later, as long yeah. as they're you know ready to be out in a finished product. Yep. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll cover it for the podcast, not in an official game episode, but maybe like a side episode um, where me mm-hmm. and you played a little bit. But yeah, yeah. Um, my article, my first thing I'm covering today is uh, PlayStation unveiled uh, their first run of PS Plus games uh, in a blog that was released by PlayStation uh, May 16th. So, you know, a little, little bit ago, almost two weeks ago, they actually released um, their first list of PS4, PS5, first and third party games, as well as their classic games catalog for their premium and deluxe plans. Um, so we mentioned a few um, episodes ago on the topical episode, you know, and for those of you that that are paying attention to the PlayStation stuff specifically, they're finally coming out with a real competitor to Game Pass and really trying to like get into the space of game subscription, um, you know, putting a lot of first party content into that kind of model and getting people to kind of subscribe. So. Uh, honestly, I'm pretty impressed with this list. I, I actually really like it, Matt. I'm not sure if you got a chance to take a look, but, uh, PS4 and PS5 games catalog. I'm just going to name a few off here. Um, Bloodborne first off. Um, they actually just announced a remake of Bloodborne. I'm pretty sure. Awesome. Well, you know, now you can play the PS4 game and you can play the remake when the remake comes out probably Mm -hmm. in the next year or so. Um, Concrete Genie. I've never played that one. Um, actually never really heard of that. Days Gone, heard a lot, heard a lot about that game before. Um, Dead Nation Apocalypse Edition, Death Stranding, and Death Stranding Director's Cut. Obviously, a huge high-profile game. Definitely will be playing that once I subscribe to this. Demon Souls, uh, PS5 version. Um, Destruction All Stars. Never heard of that one. Everybody's Golf, heard about that one. Heard it's pretty good. Ghost of Tsushima, Director's Cut, God of War. Gravity Rush 2 and Gravity Rush Remastered, which I've always wanted to play. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Infamous First Light and Infamous Second Sun. Both of them I've been wanting to play. Uh, Knack <laughs> for PS4, uh, Little Big Planet 3, uh, Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales Spider-Man. Uh, you got uh, Returnal, Shadow of the Colossus, uh, Last Guardian, Last of Us, Last of Us Remastered. Um, Until Dawn, <laughs> uh, one, one game that we've done for the podcast, uh, Uncharted, Uncharted 4, Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection and Uncharted, the Lost Legacy. Uh, these are all like there's plenty of games to play here. And I think a lot of different like itches to scratch for people and games that I personally have been wanting to play games that we've talked about on this podcast. So already it's looking like a pretty good deal. But third party support they got. Uh, I'll just throw out some of like the key ones here that I, that stuck out to me. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Batman Arkham Knight, Celeste, Dead Cells, Control, which we've done for the podcast, mm-hmm. Far Cry 3, Far Cry 4, Final Fantasy 15, which I've been wanting to play. Red Dead 2. Uh, Red Dead 2, uh, Hollow Knight, which I love, one of my favorite games ever. Um, Guardian, Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy, which I've heard a lot of great things about as well. NBA 2K22, Resident Evil, Soul Calibur 6, uh, South Park, The Fractured Butthole, which I've heard is really good as well, actually. <laughs> uh, For Honor, which I've always wanted to play. These are all the third-party games. It, I mean, they got a lot, you know, and... It's good. It's good. It's it's good, but... Oh, mm. and Outer Wilds. And Outer Wilds. Come on. No, Outer Wilds. Yeah, we love Outer Wilds. Um, I think this is a phenomenal start to it. And like they keep stressing that there's going to be more added at a later time. 
I think the only problem that I have with it is, you know, it's still, even just looking at this right now, though, it's clearly still not up to Game Pass level, you know? I agree. If this was Game Pass level, Horizon Forbidden West would be included, you know, the newer for Horizon. Um, The Last of Us 2 would be included, right? Not just The Last of Us. Uh, I mean, they do have some newer titles like Marvel Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. But I don't know. I'm honestly, I just feel like they could have done a lot more already. You know, I would have... I I think there should have been more exclusives on this already. Like, for example, um, not Ghost of Tsushima. uh, Tokyo Ghostwire is one that should probably be on here. Um really anything like any recent PS five exclusive, you know, I think, I, I think that's what sets Xbox game pass apart is you know, you can play these games right away. You know, I, I got Xbox game pass cause I wanted to try out, um, God, what was the left for dead copycat? Uh, Oh, back for um, blood, back for blood. Yeah. And I was able to try that out for essentially just paying seven, not even $7, like a $3 for like your first month. Right. And they're not hitting that quite as well. I don't think, but because and the problem is too, a lot of people are already going to own these games because they've for so long they haven't had yeah a yeah I get that service. But for those that don't, or for those that are just getting into the PlayStation family, this is an incredible opportunity. And they have a lot of great um, older classic games too, like the Jack series, Jack Two, Jack Three, um, Hot Shots, OG. Tennis, Ape Escape mm-hmm. Two, um, Bioshock Remastered. Uh, Lego Harry Potter collection, bullet storm, a lot of really good th- games that are definitely worth going back and checking out. So it is definitely a step in the right direction. I would just say I'm not sold that this is going to really put them on the same pedestal as with what game passes. Yeah. And I, I, I do agree with you for the most part. I just, I do want to say this is their first, the big this sell is, is oh, we, st- we have time trials instead for games now. Yeah, so that's lame. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't like that part. So th- they're also adding in time trials of new games, um, which is uh, like really weird. So here's here's directly from the PlayStation blog. Um, time trial limited time limited game trials. The time limited game trials benefit will enable you to try select games before you buy. After downloading a trial of the full game, you can play it for two hours for most games. The playtime counter only counts where you are in game. It's a great way to try games before you decide to buy any trophies and game save data from the trial will carry forward if you purchase the game. Here are some of the titles that will be part of the time-limited game trials. Horizon, uh, or sorry, Horizon Forbidden West, Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection, Cyberpunk, Farming Simulator 22, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, and WWE uh, 2K22. Um, Kind of underwhelmed by that. I mean, not even that impressive. Extremely underwhelmed by that. I mean, yeah. what's what's the point of playing the first two hours of Cyberpunk? I guess. I mean, I guess there's a point to it, but I'm I'm probably wouldn't wouldn't have done that, or maybe I would have. I don't know. It. Well, no, I, I probably would not have. I probably would have just spent time going like, okay, I'm not going to get invested in the game. Wait forever to download it to try it out for like an hour. You know, there's a cutscene. <laughs> there's an hour long cutscene at the beginning and then I play the game for 30 minutes an hour. Then I already feel rushed and then I have to buy the game now. It just, it's probably yeah. not a good model to, for some of those AAA games. Um, but I will say in defense of all this is 
What's really cool is, you know, this is including a lot of exclusives to PlayStation that are not available on a subscription service like a Game Pass and haven't been available on Steam or still are not available on Steam because a lot of PlayStation exclusives come to Steam quite a bit later. Maybe they've just recently gotten added. Like I know, if I recall correctly, I think Ghost of Tsushima just recently came to PC. Um, and I think The Last of Us, I think, I forget which one it was. Um, if it was Spider-Man or Horizon Zero Dawn, just recently, it was, Horizon. it was Horizon just recently came to Steam. So, you know, I, I'm personally very new to the PlayStation family. I got a PS5. I never had a PS4 or PS3. So I definitely am looking forward to playing a lot of these games that I missed out on. And I think this is the perfect entry point where I now got a PS5. I can get this service and now I can play uh Horizon, I can play Miles Morales, I can play Infamous, I could play Zero Dawn, I could play God of War, Ghost of Tsushima. All that right there alone is worth paying the 30 bucks for the month. Um, because and Uncharted and Until Dawn, which we, you know, fortunately got to play. And, you know, I think it's gonna take a while for them in terms of the third parties to really catch up with Game Pass, because like I mentioned, Celeste, Hollow Knight, Dead Cells. I believe all the Outer Wilds, I believe all those are already available on Game Pass anyway. So it's kind of just mirroring what Game Pass has. It's not as far yeah. as the third party stuff. Um, so it's kind of a nice little bonus trying to catch up to Game Pass, but I still appreciate it. And I think that it's going to get better with time. Um, so for those of you that are, are looking, I think the wait and see approach is probably really appropriate here. But if if you like me and you want to, you've been wanting to play these games for a little while. I think you'll get a, a good value out of it for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll ultimately still pretty excited to see how it, you know, is received. I'm not convinced it's going to be that great right now, but hey, maybe maybe it'll be all right. We'll see. All right, all right. Moving on, um, Lucas. How would you describe your, you know, uh, everyone? um as as much well actually first just popped in my head i want to mention really kind of off tangent here um our latest episode on sifu didn't populate on apple podcast for some reason um as far as we can tell nothing's wrong with rss feed we're using and if you didn't know what an rss feed is go watch the youtube video i did how to start a podcast (laughs) (laughs) Um, as far as I can tell, there's nothing wrong with our actual podcast distributor. I think it's an issue with Apple. So Lucas and I mm-hmm. are, we've reached out to support and we're praying we get a response soon because I know a lot of you prefer to listen on Apple podcasts. I think something like almost 40% of our listens actually come from Apple podcasts. So I promise you we're actively working on getting that fixed. Uh, in the meantime, everyone it's available pretty much anywhere anywhere else you would listen to a podcast stitcher spotify well, the uh, irony Google. irony is that the yeah. the apple people probably can, don't hear what you're saying right now right exactly <laughs> yeah sorry so apple people. with any luck with any luck we'll have this figured out by um <laughs> by the time this is gonna we'll get it resolved yeah thursday yeah we'll get it resolved soon i mean it's just this yeah. um for those of you that just want to peek behind the curtain of the podcast realm, you know, Apple Podcast is like notorious for making updates and not really like updating their platform and not really informing like RSS feeds or distributors. And like this happens like once a year, sometimes with like Apple Podcasts. Like yeah. it's not it's not out of the ordinary. Um, it's annoying. You know, we're fully up to date on every other platform except for Apple Podcasts. It's very frustrating, but uh, we're working on fixing it. And 
going back and forth with support, blah, blah, blah. Um, we'll, we'll get it resolved here very soon. Yeah. So hopefully sooner than later in the meantime, apologies to everyone, but Lucas, how, how would you describe your job? Lucas And for everyone, contrary to popular belief, Lucas and I are not full-time podcasters. Who would have thought we're not, um, so Lucas, you know, in those in those nine to five hours when you're not just fiending over the podcast, um, <laughs> h- how would you describe your job? Well, is it fun? Is it exciting? I, is it boring? Talk to me. It's uh, it pays the bills. It's exciting at times. It's boring at times. Um, it's interesting at times, stimulating mm-hmm. at times, sometimes not. Um, I work from home, uh, just for those of you that, that don't know. And, um, you know, it's it's a good it's a good place to be. I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, I have flexibility in my life. You know, I, I have a lot of autonomy in my position at my current employer and um, things are good. So I, I have nothing to complain about. I, I wouldn't say it's what you would call like a dream job. Um, I'm, is know, it a I, sexy industry? It is, is it a not a sexy job. It's not. It's not a sexy uh, industry necessarily. Um, it's not like it's not one of these jobs that somebody goes like, I want to be like that when I, I want to be an account manager when I grow up. Um, no one's ever said that. Um, I didn't even know what an account manager was up until, until a few years ago. And, um, you know, I think most people listening to the podcast probably don't know that my job exists, my industry exists, my company exists. And, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Lucas, I, and if anyone from my company is listening to this, cause I know it's been pushed out a bit few times from my manager. Um, let me preface this with saying, I love my job. <laughs> I like well, my job okay. a lot. <laughs> I love my job too. In case yeah. I, was <laughs> I, uh, I like, I like my job a lot and I, I think I'm a very fortunate workplace. However, however, Lucas, like you, I wouldn't describe my job as sexy or cool or like particularly exciting by conventional standards. You know, it's not fashion. It's not gaming. It's not even tech, you know? Um, and as someone who has worked in the gaming industry before, even in the like, you know, electronic tech space before with Sony, you know, I, I think I've come to the conclusion, Lucas, and I've, I've felt this way for a while. I've, hard, I've had a hard way of putting it into words before, but you know, a simple job, a simple boring job is really the best job. Lucas, let me tell you Talk why. Um, earlier, earlier today, I came across a video by YouTuber How Money Works, and everyone, uh, really, really great YouTuber, kind of, uh, kind of the contrarian of finance YouTube, I would say, but he doesn't do it just to like be different. Like he's actually making very excellent points. I believe this the YouTube. I don't know his name, but I believe he worked in um, like financial banking before going full time on YouTube. So he's very kind of well versed in these industries and is. Um, by conventional standards, anyways, seems to be educated, whomever they really are. Um, so the YouTuber How Many Works made a video uh, titled "Why." Oh gosh, actually, I forgot. I don't have the exact title here. Why boring uh, jobs are the best, or why you want a boring job, or something. Why like you that? want a boring job, or yeah, why boring jobs are the best. Let me pull it up really quickly. So I have the exact one. Um, yeah, here's why you want a boring job, really boring job, and. What, what this YouTuber talks about in his video essentially is, you know, when you look at these bigger companies, whether that's maybe, you know, something in tech, like big tech or like a fan company, like, 
uh, Amazon, Netflix, Facebook, um, or maybe like in fashion with like Google, Sephora, Apple, or yeah, or like any of those companies really like in fashion with like Sephora, Victoria's Secret, um, maybe even like Uniqlo or PacSun, whatever, right? Or sports, like maybe you want to work for the Patriots, be an account manager there, or work for the Padres and work in ticket sales. Um, I know a lot of people that did that. <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> Pays good. Um, you know, what a lot of people don't talk about is these kind of jobs will typically pay less than their non-glamorous counterparts and have and maybe less perks and less autonomy and less flexibility. And the reason this is is because when you you know when you're when you're a company that is a giant fi- Fortune 500 company and is like kind of a a brand name company almost that's like commonly discussed in the zeitgeist, right? You have people lining up at your door to work for you, right? Right. You have a constant rotation of people that are as equally qualified as the next person. Sorry, folks, college degree really doesn't make you that unique and does not make you that much more employable than the next person with a college degree. It's very like cut and dry, especially when you're yep. entering the market, you know, as a, a new employee. And because really they have such a large, you know, um, so many people interested in working for them, they're able to treat their employees not as well, right? And I mean, hey, gaming companies, right? You know, we, we didn't have any this week, but you know, a theme on these episodes and really just kind of any week and time it comes up is we have a watchdog report, right? Where we talk about how shitty the, uh, work environment Game industry is in games and any of these games industries. Right. And I mean, this totally falls into that as well. And as someone who worked in games for a little bit at blizzard, only a summer granted I interned there. So my knowledge is limited, but well, I, Sony I can too. say, Sony, but I wasn't doing games. It was just tech stuff like their electronics. But um, I can say as someone who has worked like in these bigger tech companies and in these kind of like, quote, sexy dream job companies. It's not all it's not all it's, you know, made up to be, you know, at the end of the day, no matter where you go, a spreadsheet's a spreadsheet, right? And you're still sending emails. You might just be doing it with a different email signature. So typically you'll see these companies pay less than their non-glamorous counterparts. They'll have very typical shitty mid-level management because they know their lower level workers are very replaceable and they know they can exploit them. You know, you're going to end up working unpaid overtime and you might be say saying, Oh man, but you know, I'm working for, for naughty dog. I'm working for Sony and, and games, you know, I'm doing what I love or I'm working for the Patriots or whoever I'm doing what I love. But do you really love sending an email with the Patriots thing on it, right? Oh, hey, maybe it's great. Maybe you get extra free tickets to their games, right? or maybe you get early releases of, um, or free, you know, free games from whatever company you work for. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be better working at a company that respects you, pays you 20, 30K more a year, because then you can buy whatever those perks you were losing out on and then have something to save and have a better work life balance. Yeah. So, very true. It's just, I, I, this video just came out today. Actually, like I watched it literally an hour before we were going to record today. I'm like, I have to talk about this because I don't know. I, I had the fortune very early on of, I was personally someone that really wanted to go into games and really wanted to be in that industry. Um, I was going to do no matter anything it took. Right. And when I did have the opportunity to intern at Blizzard, I was very kind of just like blown away with just the work culture there, the kind of, the hours everyone worked and just kind of the, the Kool-Aid you drink in a sense of like 
this is your life. You work for Blizzard. This is all you do. This is what you do in a sense. And to be clear, I don't, I think I personally had a relatively good experience overall. However, I definitely felt, man, if I was going to be doing this full time after summer, like this would be a lot. Right. And I was always like, man, I don't know how to put this into words. I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like, I, I think I'm fine just working wherever as long as they pay me well and treat me well. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can tell you from experience, people, you know, uh, working for a company that values you, treats you well, respects you, and understands that, you know, you're not there to be part of this crazy big work family. I mean, if you find that great, and if it's something that's like genuine, right? But so many of these bigger glamorous companies will shove down your throat the idea of, you know, we are a family. We are here to change the world. Yeah. Oof, you know, especially whereas, newer companies. Yeah. And, you know, and, it's very okay to have the mentality of, no, I'm here to do my job and I'm going to do it well because you're paying me, but I'm here to collect a fucking paycheck, you know? And these are kind of lessons that I've like really taken away at least because I'm in a management position now that I've taken away and that I work, how I kind of treat my direct reports is like, Hey, we're humans. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm always going to be friendly to you, but I get it. You're here to like, we're here to work. Right. And we're here to make money. Like that's what we should be doing. So we can go and do things we actually enjoy, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I'd love this video to get it, see everything. I feel to see it all put into words was incredible. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way, you know, so Matt sent me this video earlier today and I, I just, I, you know, watched the whole thing and, and really absorbed a lot of the information. One, one of the big takeaways um, that kind of blew my mind is like the median income for an employee at Tesla is less than the median income of an employee at another automobile maker or so like somebody at Mm -hmm. Ford medium income is higher than somebody at Tesla. And the reason Tesla can do that is because they just have so many people that are excited to work for Tesla that they'll just want to work there because it's a cool brand. It's very sexy. Um, People love Elon. You know, it's a very popular car, very popular brand. So, you know, people will actually take less money to work there. And that lowers the market value of entry level employees that are there over time or, you know, just straight up. And it's it's kind of this really like a counterintuitive thing where just because it is a very sought after company and it's very competitive does not necessarily mean it's going to pay well. It actually can mean the opposite. Um, Mm -hmm. It can mean that management could just pay you less because there's, you know, 20, 30, 100 more of you that want that same job that you have. So you're actually very easy to replace, whereas the boring jobs hard to replace. Um, not as sexy, not as many people looking for those jobs. And, you know, in a secret way, they can kind of have more benefits. It, you know, it's just not as as broadcast, it doesn't have a big of a spotlight on it and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And the other thing, too, is like, I think back, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I really wanted to work for Nintendo. You know, it was like my dream. I always I want I loved Nintendo's games growing up. I wanted to make games. I wanted to like make levels. Um, I always messed around on like map creators on on game, like anything that had a map maker, I always did it. I wanted to be a level designer, all that stuff. And, you know, I think anybody my age working at an equivalent position at like Nintendo, and it would have to be in Japan, right? Because that's where all their game development happens, would be working double the hours I work now, 
probably making less money than I make now with less flexibility, autonomy. And at the end of the day, I might not even like what I'm making. I might disagree with what I'm making, right? Mm -hmm. And I think like a lot of um, people go into the games industry kind of thinking it's like a dream job, it's a dream company. And they just find out that it's just not not all it is um, what it seems. Hopefully for people, it's that's not the case. But I think more often than not, that's the reality. And we see these stories all the time of abuse for workers, overworking, Blizzard, Activision, you know, getting shit on for the last two years. Um, Nintendo of America getting shit on, um, you know, in a big expose by IGN recently. And, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate. And um, there's just a misconception that that Matt definitely wanted to talk about here. And I, you know, I love the topic personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, guys and girls, I don't know, everyone. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure the exact age demographic of our listeners, but 24 to 37, you, 24 to 37. So you should know this by now. Or I hope I can maybe help inform you of uh, now I'm on a I'm on a pedestal here. But in my opinion, at the end of the day, a spreadsheet's a spreadsheet and emails an email no matter where you do it. So might as well do it somewhere that respects you, pays you and treats you well. Well said. Good soapbox. Soapbox, yeah. Um, all right, moving on to my topic, my second one. So this one's actually not video game related either. Um, this is kind of a little bit of a um, kind of a funny, not funny. It's just kind of like <laughs> sat. I don't know. Just frustrating, I think, is the word I want to use. So uh, for those of you that, that have been paying attention, Netflix is actually releasing um, a whole update to their platform. They're not going to allow or they're going to heavily crack down on password sharing. Um, this has been a big announcement by Netflix. It's made big headlines over the last few months. And um, Netflix, which is also losing subscribers, actually announced its first net loss of subscribers for the first time this past April. Um, first Netflix loss of subscribers ever was reported this past April. OK, so a company that is underperforming off past performance is deciding that it's trying to get rid of password sharing. They're doing a trial right now in three Latin countries, Peru, Chile, and Costa Rica, and is not going very well. <laughs> so uh, basically Netflix is limiting uh, passwords to one household per account. Uh, and you know, this has been a big shock to people of those countries. Uh, you know, the, just so in full transparency, these countries pay the equivalent of about two to three dollars for a Netflix subscription subscription um, in their currency. So about two to three U.S. dollars for a Netflix, God, Netflix subscription in Peru, <laughs> Chile, Costa Rica. Um, right. So they're paying that amount. They don't get a communication about password sharing crackdowns. Somebody, a uh, customer, this is actually uh, an article that was written by um, actually a really cool publication that I discovered called Rest of World. Uh, Restofworld.org is a uh, global tech story uh, publication, and they did this whole thing on, on this Netflix story uh, yesterday, actually. And uh, what happened was, and they interviewed some people in these countries and kind of asked them what was going on. And one of these users was actually just away from home trying to watch a show on their tablet or their uh, phone. And they actually weren't able to access the television show, even though they were just away from home on their phone. And what it turns out is what, what Netflix means by one password per household is they mean physical household. They don't mean a group of people that live in the same house and go to work 
or something like that. Um, so, cause what's, it's crazy. I mean, people living in the same household in different locations, trying to watch Netflix at the same time, who would have thought? Uh, so, uh, they actually, uh, rest of world actually interviewed a customer support specialist at Netflix and the Netflix support specialist employee was just as confused as the customer. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Put in your code. You have to re-log in again. I don't know. And like wasn't quite sure how to handle that particular case. It's extremely idiotic. Um, and, you know, it got me thinking just Netflix, man. They used to be the the thing. They were the they were the dominant streaming platform. They were going to change the world. I mean, they've changed the world, but they are failing again. And are they failing? Period. And it's just really sad to see something as big as them really just go down. Um, you know, we see the Netflix building every time we drive to the rock climbing gym. And uh, I'm just kind of looking at it like, man, you're just going to go away pretty soon. And, <laughs> you know, they they completely destroyed one of the biggest companies, Blockbuster, uh, through my childhood. And now they themselves are just like mismanaging managing themselves completely out of the market. And uh, people are just... Now people are just going to be watching stuff on Disney Plus or, you know, Apple TV is actually pretty good. And, you know, Hulu, Amazon Prime whatever. is pretty good and Hulu is pretty good. And it's like, man, they're just making mistake after mistake over there. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty disheartening, honestly. But I don't know. That's that's capitalism for you, I guess, um, which <laughs> Bad is fine. decisions. And. I mean, honestly, I will say, I think they're trying to go out with a bang. I saw some really good movies on there recently. <laughs> um, they had Her with Joaquin Phoenix. They had Nightcrawler. Um, they had some other stuff that stood out to me. I forget off the top of my head. But I mean, they just released Stranger Things season four. I watched the first couple episodes. It's pretty good. Um, they just released season three of Love, Death, Robots. So oh, yeah, I heard they're about still that. definitely putting out some quality content. There's still definitely some good content out there to watch overall. But you know, it's just not enough, right? Not, so not, it's not. I don't think that their content's really bad. It's just they're they're really just mismanaging their entire business model. Yeah, anymore. they're 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 really just uh, managing themselves into the dirt over there. Uh, so it, it's going to come back pretty soon. I mean, the market is pretty predatory right now with these streaming services, and uh, mm -hmm. I know people are already getting like figuring out what to cut. Um, I myself am like, okay, I can get my parents Disney Plus. My brother's Hulu, me and Katie share the app. Okay. So like you're trying to kind of do the math and figure it out. And Netflix is kind of becoming the first to go. Like slowly I'm kind of like, okay, if I were to lose Netflix, I probably would be fine in terms mm -hmm. of like what I watch. Um, and that's not good. So they're, I predict that they will be going down uh, very, very fast and very yeah. soon. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Got your last topic for us here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, Matt, what are two things that people really love? Oh, gosh. I mean, every day, at least at least twice a day, I think about Harry Potter. And then the other half of the day, I'm usually listening to like lo-fi or ASMR beats. But there you go. People love Harry Potter and people love ASMR. So ASMR. why not release an ASMR video for Hogwarts Legacy. That's exactly what WB did. So <laughs> uh, about 
May 18th, so a couple weeks ago, uh, WB Games, or rather uh, Portkey Games, who's the developer of the Hogwarts Legacy game coming out uh, at the end of this year. Very, very high profile, triple A, open world, Harry Potter action RPG based in Hogwarts in the 1800s. Honestly, probably the easiest pitch in the world for a video game. Just like open world action RPG, triple A Harry Potter. Bam, you got you got like half the population wanting to right buy there. your game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm actually pretty excited for it. Um, I know like the most recent Harry Potter, like, you know, storylines haven't been all that great. They're just the secrets of Dumbledore just came out. I know that's like on Apple TV or very mid one of these streaming services. I haven't heard that much great stuff about it. Um, you know, obviously the original Harry Potter series, Matt and I grew up watching and reading and all that good stuff. And our entire generation did. Uh, but now it's time for like new stories and new interesting things. And that's what this new Harry Potter game is all about. Very excited for it. And uh, WB is did the coolest marketing move. Honestly, I have mad respect for this. I think it's awesome. Uh, an a, a 20 minute ASMR video of just a rainy spring night in Hogwarts and Hogsmeade. Okay, so you watch this video and I actually listened, like when I first heard about this, I kind of rolled my eyes and I was just like, uh, okay, like that sounds like a gimmick. And I watched it and I just put on my good headphones and I just listened for five minutes and I was like, hang on, it's kind of nice. You know, I'm just like, it's, it's a good place to show off some set pieces, some sound design, you know, um, it's pretty harmless. It's not like hurting anybody. It's not like yeah. doing anything crazy. It's just like, oh, I'm in Hogsmeade. It's a rainy spring night and the streets yeah. are empty. This is cool. And I want to retract. It's really not lo-fi. It is just ASMR. Yeah, um, <laughs> it is. Yeah. And uh, I mean, <laughs> so we have a shared doc, Lucas and I, where we share notes before the episode. And I saw he linked this video and I opened it up. I'm like, okay, like what? <laughs> what are you getting at? And the reason I didn't think twice about it is I just assumed it was like a fan made thing and just that something someone threw together. And then it's like, no, the game made this. And yeah, it's just a genius kind of little stroke of marketing. Um, I mean, this is the kind of stuff people will fall asleep to and just kind of add. It is a very smart way to just generate that much a little more buzz for the game. Yeah. With, with like very like low effort basically you just like mm -hmm. have the set pieces built you're developing the game you're like hey let's show off the weather system let's show off some of that sound design and let's just make it 20 minutes long and like the title of the youtube video is literally hogwarts legacy a rainy spring night asmr 4k so yeah. it's like kind of one of those like types of videos that like people like gravitate towards like asmr and 4k are like, in the title mm -hmm. and you know the there's a link to the Discord there, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram account for all the video game stuff. And you could subscribe to the to the YouTube channel and like look at now I might be looking at like the gameplay trailer or like, uh, you know, the overall like full promotional material that's all on the YouTube channel. It's I just think it was a really, really clever move. I, I like it a lot. And um, it got me hyped to check out more of the game, go to the website, subscribe to the like join the Discord server and stuff like that. And on top of it being like just totally a like sign of like where we're at, right? Like it's it's an ASMR video for God's sake. I mean, there you, there's Super Bowl commercials that are ASMR videos. I mean, it's just like companies are really like, okay, what's big? 
let's kind of go lean into that a little bit. ASMR is very big. People like to fall asleep to YouTube videos all the time. And I think this is just like really good, man. Respect, no hate. Um, I think like there's been like some elitism about it. Like, oh really? Like they made an ASMR video, but yeah, I like it. I think it's great. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm quite excited about it personally. So, uh, I mean, yeah, beautiful marketing move. Excited for the game and excited for whatever else those scamps come up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about. I just want to like point this out as a little aside. You go to the Hogwarts Legacy website, and I went to the frequently asked questions, and uh, you know what kind of game is Hogwarts Legacy? Uh, you know, immersive action role playing game set in the 1800s. One of the questions, question five, is. What is J.K. Rowling's involvement in the game? Is it a new story <laughs> from J.K. Rowling? And like... This is on the game website? This is on HogwartsLegacy.com in the FAQ at the very top. Um, really great question because J.K. Rowling is obviously uh, not very well liked by the public right now due to her transphobic nature, transphobic comments in the past, and trying to retroactively save face by doing things like with the Dumbledore character or the Hermione character publicly saying that like they're different than how she originally wrote them or whatever. Uh, so JK yeah. Rowling has just kind of been on the hot seat for a really long time. And it's a funny question. The, the answer is each experience offered under port key games will take place in the wizarding world and will be authentic to it. JK Rowling is supportive of port key games and has entrusted the design and creation of the games to Warner Bros games and the developers involved. Her team have also collaborated with Warner Bros games on all respects of Hogwarts, Hogwarts legacy to ensure it remains a true part of the Wizarding World experience and is in line with the creativity and magic that fans expect. The story showcased in the game is not a new story from J.K. Rowling. <laughs> just, <laughs> Gotta make that point. Gotta just like point. indented. It's a whole new line. It's just very clear. It is not a new story from J.K. Rowling. It's the best political answer they could have given there. Um, so, you know, I, it's it's they have to skirt that, too, a little bit or like have the, a very clever response to those kinds of things, because um, they've done a really good job marketing the game. It's probably going to be a really solid game, but they really have to be careful about that J.K. Rowling stuff because they're just yeah. one little thing away from like if she really wrote the whole thing or if she like had a hand in the story and it's very pub they're very public about that. It's just going to lead to a lot of bad things. So they're very smart to not involve her or at yeah. least say they're not involving her. Yeah, it's very telling. Just also, it just really, really drives home the current public sentiment toward J.K. Rowling as well. So Yeah, totally. All right. Well, hey, I think uh, that's all I got in terms of my topics. Yeah, I think that's all we got. Uh, everyone, as a friendly reminder... Uh, you can find us online on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TFE Podcast. That's at TFE Podcast with an S at the end. You can also uh, shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod at gml.com. And as well, you can find our website, thanksforplaying.live. Um, and on our website and in the link tree on each of those social media handles, you can find a link to our Discord. Um, coming out in the Discord, it's a good time. It's the best place to find myself and Lucas um, and chat us up, do whatever. And if you want to reach out, um, well, if you want to reach out to me directly, the best place is Discord. But if you want to see me retweet stuff about soccer and anime, you can follow your good buddy Matt on Twitter at Good Idea Matthew. Lucas, where can the good people find you? 
You could find me on Instagram at goodidealucas, and you could find me on the Discord as well. Uh, shoot me a message. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Uh, maybe play some magic together. Maybe uh, talk about video games. Always tell down to tell me how good uh, his hair looks. Tell me how good my hair looks. We'll we will we'll be releasing the official hair photo uh, on the on the Discord on Thursday when this episode drops. So pretty excited for that. <laughs> Love it. All right, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Scooby Bop. Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Sammy Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch, Red Circle, 